0: Welcome back to our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Last time we looked at Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve, and we're going to continue in that same passage today. Uh, last time we talked about how there's two uh, sets of contrasts, and the first set of contrasts is between the true King and the false King, King Herod and uh, the the child that was born, and we look at some of the prophecies to see what information that gives us about King about King Jesus, and then we also looked at some things from history to see about who King Herod really was. Uh, In this session, we're going to talk about another set of contrasts, and that's between the true scholars. Uh, The true scholars actually strangely turn out to be the magi versus whom we would expect, and that's the scribes and the chief priests of the people. So, as I read through the text, keep your eye out for this contrast between who the true scholars are. I'll start in verse 1. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they, they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. In this passage, uh, we have already seen how King Herod contrasts with King Jesus, but there's another interesting contrast. Uh, From a literary perspective, we can see how uh, the chief priests and the magi are Foils of one another. They help shine light on one another. Now, let's think about who these wise men are. Maybe we're used to hearing about them in Christmas carols or things like that. And maybe you've wondered who really are they. Uh, the underlying Greek word is just uh, "magoi," or really best translated as magi. Uh, they are clearly wise men in that they uh, have the wisdom to interpret the stars and are compelled by that to rightly discover that there has been a new king that has been born. In ancient times, uh, the appearance of a great star or a a light in the heavens signaled the birth of a new great king, or at least a really important person. But really exactly who are the Magi? Uh, the, The answer to that question is we don't know. There have been all sorts of different guesses about who they are, but at the end of the day, we still are unsure about who they are. Now, let me read to you from Moises Silva in his New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology and Exegesis. He has a very interesting entry uh, about who these people are. He writes, quote, The Magi, or uh, Magians, evidently con- constituted one of the tribes of ancient media. A total of six tribes are identified, uh, but they are known primarily as a priestly caste that had expertise in divination and that exercised considerable political power in the Median, Babylonian, Persian, and Parthian empires. The Greek term, however, also developed a negative nuance, like sorcerer, as shown already by its earliest attestation, and he gives several citations there. And then later he writes, Here the term clearly does not have the pejorative nuance, speaking of Matthew chapter 2, of sorcerer or the like, but must indeed mean magi. It is unclear, however, whether the name should be interpreted strictly as a reference to the priestly caste described above, in which case from the east uh, would probably denote Persia or Babylon. It is possible that Matthew, using the term in a more general sense, like wise men, if so, the reference may be to professional astrologers from a less distant land, such as Arabia. End quote. Uh, so there we have it. Uh, these... Magi uh, could be variously understood. Uh, they may be really important people, astrologers um, from Media or Babylon or uh, Persia who had a more formal capacity, or they may just be simply like wise men who come from not all that far away. Now, the very fact that we don't know a whole lot about who the Magi are actually does tell us something significant about what Matthew is trying to do. Think about it. Here are these weird characters from a long ways away that we know very little about. And yet, on the other hand, we also have these really well-known characters, the chief priests and the scribes. They're the go-to guys for King Herod and the go-to guys for all of Israel. And the ones who clearly emerge as the good guys, as the protagonist, are these obscure magicians. They're not the sorts of people that we would expect to be the true scholars. Now, the other group, uh, the foil, the chief priests and the scribes, are here in Jerusalem, and they have accurate understanding. They rightly uh, quote from Micah 5.2 and also from 2 Samuel 5.2 and kind of put those two together, but they give, a, they give us and they give the Magi reliable, accurate information. But the problem is that they are in a difficult situation their jobs, and in fact, their life is on the line. They are afraid of King Herod. And because of that fear, they don't go and worship the new king. Think about it just for a moment. Here they are, these Jewish leaders who have given their lives, presumably their careers, to studying the sacred scriptures. They, of all people, should be intensely interested in knowing who the Messiah is. But when they have the information that now is the time, they have the when and they have the where, but they just don't have what it takes to go and find out who actually this true king is. On the other hand, we have these magi who are willing to pay whatever price is necessary, make whatever sacrifices they need to make in order to go and discover the true king. The result is that these magi end up being the ones who fulfill, in some sort of way, a, a really ancient prophecy from Isaiah chapter 60. The, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh have been variously understood. Uh, one possible suggestion is that these are, uh, these are things that would have been connected with the office of a priest, and so they conceive of Jesus as some sort of a priest king. A suggestion that I'm particularly fond of, though, is that this is an allusion to Isaiah chapter 60. It's worth our time to just read those verses in their original context. Starting in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, a deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come and they shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. This is a fascinating prophecy of the end times and here in like a, a microcosm sort of way, or in a typological way, in a foreshadowing type way, we have the wise men doing exactly what has been prophesied on a smaller scale to the Lord Jesus. They represent these Gentile kings coming and bringing their treasure to the real New Jerusalem, to the Lord Jesus himself, to beautify him. This is a great prophecy, and the people who are involved in all of it are well, there are these magi. and the people who are excluded from it and who are sided with the arch villain of Israel, great King Herod end up being the chief priests and the scribes. This will set us up for how to read the Gospel of Matthew as we continue on. Matthew, of course, will continue to have lots of things to say about the religious establishment from, uh, but from the very beginning, as uh, from the, the, when Matthew sets the stage for the rest of his gospel, we'll, we're already set up to think of the religious leaders as having information, not the whole story, and yet really uninterested or unwilling to act on what they know to be true. Now, by way of application, uh, the, when we start to think about religious leaders, they are not always the ones who are formally in power. That is to say, we don't always want to get behind the people who religiously are in power. Religious corruption within, quote, the system has been happening for a long time. As it was then, so it is today, that God is looking, or I'm thinking right now of Hebrews chapter 11, that the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewarded the Magi because they diligently sought him. And yet these chief priests and the scribes, they know information, but they didn't diligently seek the Lord. And that puts us on the horns of a dilemma. That puts us on the hot seat. Which one of these characters will we be? We have the information, but will we be like the chief priests and the scribes that know, but aren't willing to pay the price to act? Or will we be like the Magi who know, Act on what we know, seek for God, no matter what the cost is, and are rewarded by Him by meeting the Lord Jesus Himself. This is a really important subject for us to consider today. We live in such an information rich society. Uh, The Magi back then, the information they had to go on was a prophecy handed down to them, and then they studied the stars. For us, we are so full of information, we are inundated with it. And yet, God still, today, rewards those who diligently seek him. Uh, If it was true that the magi needed to act on what they knew, it's also true that we need to act on what we know and be willing to pay any price for it. Uh, So, let's think about it this way. It's so easy for us to have a bunch of information. It's just there at our fingertips. But if we're going to Learn theology in a transformative way, if we are going to really encounter God in such a way that we uh, end up worshiping the newborn king, then what we have to do is be willing to genuinely seek after God, not just have knowledge, we have to be willing to make sacrifices to go where the knowledge leads us. Maybe this means giving up. Watching one of our favorite shows or giving up having dinner even with our families in order to uh, search the scriptures with someone else or to attend an extra meeting of the church or to invite neighbors over. It's only when we uh, make sacrifices and give things up and we actually take the steps of following whatever it is that God has for us that we encounter God in a transformative and a worshipful way. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.